Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thank you for listening to the JT and Looney Podcast. It's episode 164. It's going to be a lot of fun as we talk about Pamela Anderson. Did you see the documentary, Pamela? On Netflix, it's so good. And on Amazon Prime, Reggie is an incredible look into the life of Reggie Jackson. Lots of stuff you didn't know. You never know someone's story. If someone is being a jerk at 7-Eleven, whether it's the guy behind the counter or a guy next to you, take a deep breath. Give them a break. Maybe they've had a long day or maybe there's something about their life you don't know about. Well, you'll find out a lot about Reggie Jackson's life that you did not know. We're going to talk about that. Here on the JT and Looney podcast. Please make sure you download and subscribe. We're pretty sure you already have, which is why you're listening to the sound of my voice. And if you don't bet on sports, you can't always just hop on a plane and head to Vegas, which is my favorite place to bet on sports. You can just uh, take your phone out of your pocket and go to betonline.ag. Great final four odds up there right now. And. We can bet on any sport. You can bet on futures, about who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can get some really cool. And that's fun just to bet on prop bets, like who's going to win the Super Bowl. You know, put $100 down on, you know, the Baltimore Ravens at 80 to 1, like somebody did in the year 2000. Win yourself $8,000. Bet online. It's your college basketball headquarters as we head to the Final Four, your NBA playoff headquarters. Bet online and get a 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. You can use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. That's the platform we use for the podcast, the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. Use that promo code to get your 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. Three, two, and one. You got me? Yeah, there you are. Well, happy opening day. Are your Yankees playing today? Uh, judge hit a home run on his first at bat. Nice, yeah, nice. Sixty-two and put one in the monuments. In the monuments, I'm talking really cool shit. I mean, look, I I don't know what Ruth did after his mark. I don't know what Maris did when he broke Ruth in the first at bat. I should be able to find that out. Our crack staff here, but for Judge to open up the Bronx after the MVP, the 330 million extension, and put it in the monuments. That was cool. That was Yankee history earlier today. That is really nice. Now, do you think that the pitcher just let him do that because the pitcher was a judge? (laughs) The San Francisco Giants, funny you should say, had like seven batters who were batting like 190 to 220 in spring training. It might have been their worst roster or lineup since pre-Willie Mays, Willie McCovey. So the Yankees got a little bit of a meatball today in the San Francisco Giants who haven't done much since the great Bruce Bochy gave him three World Series. I do like their manager. He was a friend of the show. Remember back in the day, the uh, Giants manager used to come on our show all the time. Big workout guy, big bodybuilder guy, uh, Gabe Kapler. Well, he's not there anymore, but I did like him when he was. He was good to us on the radio. Yeah, he was really cool. He was better to us than management. He was very good. Yes, he was. He always came in yoked. Yeah, ripped, and uh, we had him in studio a few times, and he's done well. He's, he's done a nice job. There were certain manager. guests that were sports talk radio listeners. A lot of college basketball coaches were. Bill Pearl, I remember, right? Bruce and, Pearl. Uh, Bruce Pearl. Yeah, yes, we're very close, Bill, Bruce and I. Yeah. And uh, But over the years, uh, it was kind of fun when we would have on a college basketball coach and realize all they do is drive around at night and recruit. 
And uh, so a lot, of, a lot of those guys used to listen, surprise And GMs. GMs in football are up later right. than anybody. They're always yep. up there listening. They used to have something called AM radios in their offices. They would have radios. There was some right. invention back in the day. You probably never heard of it recently. It's a radio. <laughs> and they would have the radio on as they were breaking down film or scouting, getting ready for the draft. Uh, now radio doesn't exist anymore. It's just platforms and podcasts and streaming devices. But we were lucky because we were at the uh, maybe we were in the heyday of the end of radio, or maybe we were near the end of radio before it went extinct. But I'm pro radio. I talked to a, a mutual friend of ours today. Was really down on radio. I mean, down, down on radio. It's a dying dinosaur. It's this and that. And I reminded him because he's really important to me. I said, "Stop it! You're a radio host. Remember, right. radio is our friend. We make a living. Uh, we have beautiful homes and." We've provided for our families and nice lives and vacations, all because of radio. And if I go back in the hot tub time machine as well, growing up in Elmira, New York, underneath the covers. I know you don't always believe all the guys that say no. that, but I wasn't listening to distant play-by-play guys. I was listening to disc jockeys like Jeff Davis on WLS, the Rock of Chicago. And I also, coming through Elmira, Ithaca College had a pretty decent communications program. And guys used to graduate from there. Guys like the Grease Man, Steve Cochran, who's a talk show host at WGN in Chicago, John and Ken, who do afternoons on KFI in Los Angeles. And these great radio talents would come through town at 22 and 23 and do great radio shows in Market 230 in Elmira, New York. And so I grew up with great AM radio and I've just, you know, you know, it's 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 my first love uh, because it always comes back to that. You know what a radio geek I am. I never cared what format I did. I just wanted to be good on the radio, and hopefully, I still am. You are outstanding on the radio. My buddy Andy Moffat, who my great great fraternity brother, who lives in Long Beach, was mentioning listening to you on KABC the other day. Even oh, great. the lineup, even <laughs> the lineup. Uh, I said, well, I go, I don't care about the lineup. I want to hear about Looney. He goes, oh, I hear Looney all the time when I'm driving around at the top and bottom of the hour and breaking news. And that's what's great about today. You know, some of it always has not been good news. We were on, we were on live during 9-11. Right. We were on live during the Gulf War. Tsunami okay. in, in Japan. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. we were live oh, on the God. end of that. And today we are on during three things. Today's three things. It's three, opening three things day, Thursday. Wow. Opening thing, opening day today, yes. baseball. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was found innocent of a ski accident. Good. And former President Trump was indicted. Yes. So if you look at that, we had Historical. an indictment today and opening day. And we can put that, we can check the box and say another time. Now we just press record and do a podcast. But we're on talking together during, I think, a pretty big news day. Yeah, it really is. And it's so exciting in the news business. And it is kind of strange as well because sometimes terrible things happen. But you do get, whether it's in sports or in news, and there is a certain kind of excitement that you've got a live microphone and you're going to be the first people to tell people about it. And some of these things, you've got to do it really responsibly because it involves lives or, you know, a Donald Trump isn't a cartoon figure, although he seems like it for a lot of people. He is someone's father that got indicted. People forget about that. We forget about that with our politicians. Uh, they're never the lesser of two evils. They come from our culture. If they're evil, we are. And they are people's sons and daughters and fathers and mothers that run for these offices. And they're uh, usually people that are making a lot less money 
doing public service than they could do with whatever else they're doing with their dynamic personality and their business acumen or whatever else they're involved in. So I think uh, we always need, I think in our country, we need to tone down the rhetoric about human beings who are running for public office when they could be doing a lot of other things with their talent. I am drinking a Pinot Noir today. Because you know I like the heavy cab. I'm a yes. Sauvignon guy. Me too. So you'd love this story as we begin the podcast is, you know, I'm, I'm having the Pinot and I like the big, bold, peppery cab. You know, I'm a silver oak guy. Yes. I like Groth and I like all that. And I love but, that you're drinking with the sun out. Good yeah, for you. And, uh, that's what I wanted to get to. <laughs> that's part of the story is I'm trying this Pinot. I like when I have the podcast, I like to have a cocktail. <laughs> Okay. And, you know, because I'm on Thursday, it's Thursday, okay. and I'm at the end of my week. You know, oh, okay, great. Radio shows a week. I'm at the end. I can, I can see the finish line. And uh, I'm having a Pinot, and I tell my wife, I go, wow, this Pinot kind of tastes kind of sweet. I go, I don't want it. Do you want it? And she goes, uh, no, I'm not drinking it for in the afternoon. <laughs> I look, the sun was out. But that leads us, <laughs> that leads us even to a better topic. Funny. Oh, my God, the weather Oh, my God. I always said on the radio, we're not weathermen. We're sports anchors. Right. We're newsmen. And getting back to Andy, talking to him and my buddy Bobby G's in town from San Diego. He's staying at my house. And the weather in Southern California, my buddy Andy said, worst weather he's had in 35 years of living here. I said, elaborate. I'm going on the podcast. He said, without a doubt, I don't know. He goes, this atmospheric rivers, we've right. had 13, 14 of them. We go from sunshine to black skies, rain, and he goes, it's been so bad. He goes, I don't recall ever that he's lived 35 years where the weather was been this bad. I pray for you in L.A. Yeah, and we got another one coming next week. It's probably going to be the last one, although we do have a La Nina coming up uh, throughout the— Explain El Nino to La Nina. Uh, El Nino means means extraordinarily dry, which we've had a lot of over the years. La Nina is the opposite, extraordinarily wet, which we're going to have through the fall. That is a good thing in Southern California because we've had a a drought. Uh, Also, uh, your friend might be forgetting, we had three weeks in August that were were like a summer in Vegas, right? You have to do it— that were so hot and it wouldn't stop. We had this heat wave that would not stop. Usually we'd get them for a day or two and it just was so oppressive. So I'm enjoying the cooler weather. I'm missing my sunshine. You know, I like to get out, get a good run or a hike in and, and get my vitamin D that way underneath the, uh, the, you know, the sun. But and worship the sun. It has been a little bit wet, and it has been tough on a lot of people and a lot of car accidents and mudslides, and people have their life savings. And they have a home up on a beautiful cliff overlooking the ocean. And then all of a sudden, that cliff slides out from underneath the house. And I, you know, it, it doesn't matter if they've got a lot of money. It sucks if the place where you live has the land slide out from under it. Yeah, I'm not a meteorologist, but I've always said this about living in Vegas. And often people ask me, where's the favorite place that I've ever lived in? And they, they get shocked because I lived in San Diego for eight years, mm-hmm. the Bay Area for two, in the city of San Francisco, and always been there. I lived in L.A. for 10 years, so I've lived more in Southern California and California than I lived growing up in Massapequa, Long Island, which now I keep saying that number continues to grow. And I've said this before on this podcast. We were lied to as children in New York. No one ever told us as children that all the weather that came from Chicago and came from that area was blowing towards us. Right. All I needed was one teacher to tell me that in like fourth grade. I would have said, wow. 
And then I would have went to my mom and dad. They never lied to me. And they would have said, yeah, the rest of your life, you're going to get all that weather and winter in Chicago and it's going to come here. And then we get all the bad weather that comes from Florida, the rains and you know all that craziness right. that comes down there. And it seems to go right to Long Island where I live. But in Vegas, which is so unique is, the, the precipitation that comes from out west when it comes comes to Vegas, it evaporates in the desert. Yes. We have a desert. So when it's blowing through the desert, it sometimes it loses all its energy because of the heat and the way the atmosphere is. And that bad weather dries up. And, then, and that's why it stays 108 in Vegas for three or four months in a row. We don't get the precipitation. Now we're getting all your shit from out west. <laughs> all, that all that stuff has come here. And uh, I pray, I won't get down on my knees, but I pray for the pool bottle girls, because I'm dead serious here. The gals who work the pools here in Vegas, they're not working. They don't tell them right. to come in. And when they do come in, they make six figures. They don't make 40 grand for three months. They don't make 50. They make 110, 130,000 for three months because it starts in March. And it goes strong in March, April, May, June, July. Then they put the you know, the mist machines out there and Steve Ioki and Tiesto play at the pools and everybody's going viral with the chain smokers. They're not even calling them in, Tom. They're saying stay at home. And these are wives and fiancés and girlfriends that count on making this money. And they're saying it's too cold, it's too wet, don't come to work today. Yeah, and you do have to think about that, too, when you're being selfish about the weather, whether it's too much sunshine or too much rain, how it economically impacts people who do jobs that are related to nice weather in a lot of the West Coast and uh, in Western states like yours depend on the weather being less uh, unpredictable as it is right now. You know, people have, you know, people in the wedding business, people have outdoor yeah, weddings. West of the Mississippi and especially California, Nevada, people have outdoor weddings. They don't even have a backup plan. You know, in, in, in the Northeast, if you have an outdoor wedding, you have a backup plan. <laughs> Out west, no backup plan. And now, uh, the past six or seven months, people have to have backup plans, which there never was any such thing in the West Coast when it comes. I never thought of money. that. So this horrific Southern California weather, San Diego, awful opening day, Padres, cold, drizzly. Uh, so it's affecting weddings where people want to get married on the beach. They want to get married with a backdrop of the San Gabriel Mountains. Or just in the start. backyard of their house in Inglewood, wherever it is. Uh, they got a. Uh, they, they didn't have a backup plan because they never dreamt it would be raining. Uh, and matter of fact, they had what was it? They, there was a uh, out in Fontana. It was so cold for NASCAR a couple of weeks before. You know when they run that Coliseum, that cute little Coliseum race for for NASCAR, and the weather didn't cooperate then. And so uh, that's too bad for people. You know, before we move along, I want to mention day drinking because I know a part of this was inspired by that. Mm -hmm. I, I watched P Pamela, the documentary on Netflix, and, you know, she was so in love with Tommy Lee. And a lot of their home videos, which she showed, it was uh, uh, her documentary her, it, with her blessing and a lot of her home videos. He was uh, he had a beer out at 10 in the morning. Did you notice a lot, <laughs> a lot of those videos? Uh, he wasn't drinking at four in the afternoon like you. He was drinking at ten o'clock in the morning. And how did these skinny, these skinny rock stars? It's unbelievable the metabolisms. I can't. If I drank at ten o'clock in the morning, I'd weigh four hundred pounds. 
Uh, Brian Dable, the head coach of the Giants, was caught, not in a bad way. They noticed that he was drinking at the owners' meetings earlier in the week before noon. He had a beer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's Brian Dable. He had a good year. He got Daniel Jones to the playoffs, and they actually won a game, and Daniel Jones got a new contract. But I like the Pamela documentary because Ooh, me too. it's a common theme on this podcast where we talk about where we are at this stage in our life, what we're going, what was going on during COVID, how are we getting through our parents aging? You lost your, your mom passed away. And what you know, Pamela at one moment was the most famous person in the world. Only, yeah. t- only Tiger Woods and Muhammad Ali and presidents and Kings can say that. And there was a point where Pamela was the most popular. Now she's up in Vancouver Island on a small Island there. And she's still an attractive woman and she's got her kids, but she's not a celebrity in the, in the way she used to be. Right. The documentary brought her out again, and she's trying to kind of relate her life today on this tiny, tiny island off of Canada and her enormous celebrity as she was going back and looking at all the, her personal videos. Another big lesson in that. Save every fucking thing you have, every video, every photo, save it, because her archives consisted of her stuff that she held on to. And Wasn't had. that amazing? Yeah, that was really cool. She, you know, my brother was a mechanical engineering major, and, you know, they take a lot of notes, and they have to do things like study that we didn't have to do in high school and college. And, you know, he'll be get ready to take a, a vacation and have a list of 20 things he needs to do before they go on vacation as they lock up the house. And I've never been organized that way. Pamela Anderson was organized that way and would send everything in boxes back home to her small – that was, she was from that island back home and her mother would organize it for her and she kept it organized and it was fascinating to watch that time in history i was in the restaurant business at the time the restaurant business you're a night guy i've always been a night guy i never worked a nine to five job and so uh i and so i've seen very little prime time tv after puberty i always wanted to be out i was fear of missing out and I played sports in high school and then in college. I, I have not seen primetime TV. And then the VCR came around. You can record stuff. But I, I've hardly ever seen. I just knew her for being famous, for being beautiful, cover of magazines, but didn't wasn't really a Baywatch watcher. So I got to also watch that from an outsider point of view where I wasn't a big Baywatch guy. And so... It was fascinating to watch and watch the life that she led and how serendipitous it was that that Baywatch wanted her. She stood him up eight times. Not, she, I'm not an actress. And stood, eight times she stood up. Those casting directors, they wanted her, the Labatt's girl from Canada who yeah. was in Playboy. Great well, story. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my son who edits this podcast, and please subscribe to it. All you got to do is click the subscribe button. Very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Our numbers are important to us, so just click subscribe. It's free, but you, you don't get it unless you click subscribe. And he won't understand this. This is one of the few things that will be over his head, but I know a lot about Pamela Anderson because I had a Farrah Fawcett iron-on pillow cup. <laughs> so I grew up, and my mom let me have the Farrah Fawcett poster, and I right. remember having the iron-on pillow of Farrah Fawcett. So, <laughs> uh, of course, I know who Pamela was. But then, you know, it's, it's ironic we're saying this. If the word is ironic, it's another word. No one knows what it means. Ironic. And- well, people, yeah, one of the most misused words, right? There's people usually mix it up with coincidence. And surreal. No one knows what surreal is. <laughs> You're right. It's so surreal. But what's interesting with Bobby G staying here is when I met my wife at the Rolling Stones concert, and it's in my book, The Handoff, it's an amazing story. It truly is bleeping amazing that Pam and Tommy 
were standing next to us in the front row of this concert with Jack Nicholson, Brad Pitt, David Spade, Gene Simmons, Eddie Murphy. I mean, let this thing get at the Rolling Stones concert where you met your wife. I met my wife at the center bar and I went and grabbed her from I grabbed her from the upper deck and brought her down to the front row. So as the story goes, which is true, it's in the book. uh, We had three. We had two passes for three of us, J.D., myself and Bobby. And then I brought my wife down there. She didn't have a pass. So we're all the girl I met on the first night who ended up being my wife. And Pam and Tommy are next to us. And Bobby G gets thrown out. You know, the ushers finally said, what do you got? We got a pass and Bobby didn't have it. So they threw him out. And the only way Bobby could get back to the front row was genius. He went to the bar and he ordered a bottle of Don Perignon champagne. Uh-huh. And he got the, uh, the woman, the server, put it on her hand. And she took it right to Tommy and Pam and Bobby followed her. Uh-huh. And that was the way to get past security and get to the front row. <laughs> ah, and nice. Tommy was supposedly sober at the time. Tommy was sober. And Pam was standing right next to me. My soon-to-be wife is right in front of me. And Tommy takes the bottle and starts guzzling the bottle, which clearly triggered Pam. She wasn't happy about that. Oh, wow. Then, okay. But literally three feet as I extend my hand in front of us was Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. Right. Get over yourself. We're at the stove. <laughs> so they're going crazy and playing right. all this. So the next morning, we wake up in a fog. It was a great night. I met the, my wife, the woman of my life, and we're watching entertainment tonight, and it's da-na-na-na-na-na, Mary Hart. Right. Break up. Break up in Vegas. Tommy and Pam. The fight. The war at the, you know, the concert. And then the video they show, the B-roll is Tommy and Pam racing through the hard rock and Tommy's holding the empty bottle. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? Wow. Isn't that amazing? Oh, we're yes. talking about the Pamela documentary, and I'll never forget that night, which was such an, probably the biggest night of my life. I don't have my kids. I don't have my career. I don't meet my wife if I'm not at that show, all because Andrew Ashwood, who sent me those tickets because he couldn't go. And uh, to tie that into Pamela, who was sitting in her room, now in her 50s, looking at the videos of her life. And that's the premise of the documentary. With those two kids, the two rock stars. Uh, yeah, they seem the to two be two boys. Kids, yeah, they? they do. Yeah, they do. Seem well-adjusted. Well, they've got to be well-adjusted because when they, when they grow up with those two parents and uh, you get all the information that normally you get your innocence robbed at, at a very young age when you find out certain things about your parents. Most people, um, you know, most people just... The sexuality of your parents is an uncomfortable thing for most human beings, and they've had it right in their face most of their life, so they've had to be well-adjusted kids, and they were very enjoyable. Name drop alert, name drop alert. Reggie Jackson. Yes! The documentary Reggie, which just released on Prime Video. It's so good. So Reggie is one of my heroes. I say this often. You only should have one hero in your life if Mm -hmm. you're lucky enough to have it. Mine's my dad. Your dad's always your hero. I mean, your dad's the most important thing if you're lucky enough to say that. And But growing up as a kid, my all-time hero in sports and will never change is Thurman Munson. Right. Captain of the Yankees, the catcher. But it was also Reggie. Because Reggie was the straw that stirred the drink. That's right. Yankees. And, you know, I'm sitting there in 77 and 78, and I'm looking at this thing happen at 12, 13 years old. And Reggie's hitting three home runs in the World Series. So I listen to Howard Stern as much as I can. And, I, and Howard had an exclusive interview with Reggie to help promote the documentary. And it was so good 
that I texted Reggie because I've known Reggie over the years. He's always at Raider games. He's great friends with Mark Davis. Sometimes calls into your show unprompted. Calls into the show unprompted. And I texted Reggie. I said, great job with Howard. Can't wait to see it. Reggie sent me three pages of text right on my phone about can't wait to come on with you to talk about it. I have so much to tell you. And Reggie goes on to talk about how he has more to say because he really wants to get the word out in regards to uh, getting to this when it comes to minorities. Uh He wants to talk about Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Giannis, Doc Rivers, others, which will impact them in sports. It's not easy for me and many of us, but we need to mention this, what's not happening. I think I could share that with you here on my phone. So Reggie and I have been going back. So my wife noticed I was looking at my phone in bed and saying, who's that? I said, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Watch the documentary. And she's like, wow, how cool is that? You're texting with one of your heroes. I can't text with Thurman Munson, who died right. when I was a young boy, but can text with Reggie. I love the documentary because it was the backdrop of my youth when they showed the burnt out Bronx oh. and they showed Reggie and George and Billy Martin undercutting Reggie and how Reggie handled all that. You watched it. What'd you think of it? Oh, I loved it. I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't even stop. I could pause for popcorn, which I love to do. <laughs> I'm Netflixing or, uh, or watching Amazon prime and movie at home. I, I just could, I was waiting for a good point to push pause to get some popcorn because I was enjoying it so much. And I never pushed pause. Could not stop. And we both grew up with WPIX as well and Yankee games. And so you didn't, and all that drama and Billy Martin, Reggie Jackson, and a a lot of the background stuff we did not know. And Reggie, his young brash leader that he was with hubris, and I belong here. He was terrific. And you can't have success at that level any player in the uh, in Major League Baseball or on any athletic team without having an enormous ego, and his was even larger than the normal. And but ego is ego does not mean you're an asshole. Arrogance does not mean you're an asshole. Being an asshole means you're an asshole. Uh, you need arrogance in order for people to in uh, in order for people to get us a vaccine that could help us with cancer or COVID or any other uh, type of d- disease or uh, or a virus. You need arrogant 25-year-old med students who say, give me the information. I can come up with a virus. That's my arrogance is beautiful speech I always give. And Reggie had it maybe more that it was more arrogant than anybody else in a beautiful way. And he's finally, you know, through all that time, he mostly talked about baseball when a microphone was in front of his face and not about social issues. And because he didn't want to be that much of a lightning rod, the second you talk about social issues or race, people don't want to hear about it. And unfortunately, it's, a, it's a, an affliction of our culture. And he's trying to catch up and make up for that. And that was part of the gist of the documentary. It's excellent. A couple of lines jumped out at me when he said, I'm Jim Brown. I'm not Jackie Robinson. I love that line. Yeah. I've never heard anybody ever say it that way. Yeah. I'm a big Jim Brown guy, one of the greatest friendships and relationships I have in sports, Jim Brown. And when Reggie said, I'm Jim Brown, I'm not Jackie Robinson. See, Reggie is old enough, uh, but young enough where he missed the Negro Leagues. So right. when he played in Birmingham for the A's, when he played for their minor league system, it was fascinating to see the racial issues he went through. And when he was on the bus, he couldn't oh. go to the white restaurants and, 
Raleigh Fingers and Joe Rudy would have to bring him his food on the bus. And you want to talk about a guy and then the backstop. We won't give you the whole documentary, but Reggie's mom and dad and his dad was a tailor and said, listen, you know, you don't want to you want to have that job. You don't want to work for sixty dollars a week like myself. And then you see Reggie in the beginning of the documentary, lining up all his cars and Rolls Royces and Ferraris to make sure it got the perfect shot at his home in Monterey. Oh my God, Monterey, down the block from Jim Nance and all the the billionaires and Reggie built that on his own. And to see that, but it was really, the the big underscore of the documentary is race. And a lot of documentaries, Bill Russell's, which I just watched, had a lot to do with Jim Crow, race, racism. What, and what and a very about? important part of it, too, is what I've always been saying in general. And when we were going through a lot of uh, civil rights stuff going on when we were on the radio and with uh, Colin Kaepernick, et cetera, when I said, I said white players need to stick up for him, not black players. And uh, I loved how he was surrounded by his white teammates who had his back and were trying are trying to push his cause forward. He won three World Series with the A's. I was not aware, and I know Reggie well, and this is one of my heroes, that in the first World Series victory, he couldn't play because he was injured. Yeah, I, I didn't know and, that. Either. And he, yeah. he ran into uh, there's a play at the plate in the playoffs to get him to the World Series, so he wasn't available in the World Series, but he got his team to the World Series by sliding into no. home plate violently. Without now that we, injury, they wouldn't have been in the World Series. Yeah, now yeah. we have the Buster Posey rule. You can't run over the catcher. Right. You can't you get bigger bases <laughs> at second base. So the shortstop and you don't bump into each other. Uh. Uh, so Reggie won three rings. And now one of the other stories tied to the documentary, but I've talked to Reggie about this on the air a bunch, is Charlie Finley, the owner, was so cheap. And Charlie Finley said that about himself in the documentary. Right. And, you know, Reggie has the best year. He wins the MVP. And Charlie Finley's like, but, yeah, you weren't available for five games. There was five games you didn't play in when you weren't available for your team. And he didn't want to give them a raise. And to think that Reggie Jackson, a man of color, who's the MVP and leading the team to World Series victories, are being told is being told by the white owner, yeah, I don't want to give you a raise. And it was real. Yeah. So I want to tie this into load management today. And uh, Joel Embiid, I'll take the night off against Jokic, who I'm competing for the MVP. I'm not perfect. I'll play two nights later. And Damian Lillard, we'll shut you down for the year. I don't want to get too much into the NBA, but I said, could you imagine what Reggie had to deal with? And then finally he broke through as a free agent, and they show you the Yankee years. Oh, and they also kind of explain to you how free agency ended up being yes. free agency in oh, Major God. League Baseball, which is great for younger people. Well, I'm happy you brought that up. Big part of the documentary. They yeah. did a nice job showing you the history. That, of the that's kind of set Reggie free from Oakland and everyone else in the A's who were great and had an owner that wouldn't pay them because of the Kurt Flood Supreme Court case. Uh, they all got to. They all got to run. You know, go play for someone who would. You know, and they could have had that championship team. They could have won six World Series had they been paid what they deserved. And what happens if there isn't a human being named George Steinbrenner who was flawed and not perfect? Right. What happens if George Steinbrenner doesn't come along? He would have got. He, Reggie said he would have got a million dollars from Montreal. Right. He got eight hundred thousand from another team, but the Yankees gave him three million, and then he comes there mired in a slump early. Okay, and then Billy Martin starts busting his balls batting him sixth Reggie right. Jackson you're batting Reggie six so I grew up with Billy Martin this was my youth so I we didn't have cable it didn't exist 
we didn't have cable news, but my dad would bring home the newspaper. Yeah, and then we, we would just see a picture, but it was a still. You're right. It wasn't the same. Well, you have to wait for the local news to know. Imagine waiting for the local news. Waiting for Warner Wolf to tell o'clock you. six o'clock for someone to tell you that Reggie's in a war with Billy. Yeah. And Billy's taking him out of a game at Fenway because he didn't hustle in his eyes. And then Reggie bails the team out. And as you know, in 77, when he hit the three home runs, and Keith Jackson was on the call, and Howard okay. Cosell was allowed to interrupt them. Keith Jackson would yeah. go, it's high to right. And, and Howard would jump in and go, it's gone. Oh, <laughs> Reggie Jackson, what a World Series. And you can see Keith Jackson there with a beautiful blazer going, oh, my God, I'm the play-by-play guy. Howard's jumping in, <laughs> finishing the call. But remember this. How about Billy Martin hugging him, hugging him at the – steps of the dugout like a father hugging a son because billy who was an alcoholic alcoholic heavy and heavily flawed he was a great yankee he won many world series with yogi and whitey and mickey understood that reggie was helping billy win world series which added to his legacy i mean the hair on my arm is standing up i lived that as a 12 11 12 year old watching that live with my dad in the living room in my home in massapequa and they put it together in the documentary so well that even if people aren't all that interested with about having another conversation about race and watching in someone's particular story there's a lot to go along with this documentary that'll get you through that if you've got hang-ups about that yeah, uh, one more thing on oh, this. But it was so good. It was oh. so one more thing I wanted to say, and I, you know, I think art is a picture of me and Fred Bolitnikov. Right. <laughs> you know, I I love statues and I love rings. Yes. Right? And what what got me going in the documentary is Reggie in the Monterey house with the safe opened in that room. We're going through the and rings, he's starting to put out all the rings. Yes. And you know, Yogi won ten World Series, and he's got a doc- documentary dropping that's supposed to be freaking insane. This Yogi documentary. We'll tee that up. But Reggie's adding up all the rings. And I know every ring, three with the A's, the two with the Yankees. He just won one with the Astros and really paid his dues. He's a consultant and a leader for the Astros organization. They beat the Yankees. They had the cheating scandal. But this last one, they won fair and square. Reggie's got one for that. And Reggie was given all the Yankee dynasty jeter world series remember when he said they look gaudy now yep yes he was was a member of the yankees when the jeter dynasty's there and reggie's got these other rings that look like tom brady rings so you go back to the tiny one with the a's in the early 70s all the way to the latest astros is there is he an american institution as a winner not only that how did he treat people you sometimes you think you take a look at someone as cocky as that you think they might be walking around thinking they're better than somebody else but look at the teammates who couldn't wait to speak on his behalf uh dave stewart who was a child and a fan isn't it amazing they ended up he ended up becoming a professional baseball player and he was friends with reggie jackson but as a child because reggie recognized him from when he used to drive to games and would see him at games and befriended a teenage boy named Dave Stewart, who ended up being a professional baseball player himself with the same team that Reggie played for. And that, that was a great story, too. How was he treating the regular guys and the fans and the, and the kids? Apparently wonderful. We are all flawed. We are all flawed. Yes. That's the key to this podcast. We all have flaws. 
Reggie is major flawed. He's yeah. got enemies, people he didn't like. You watch the documentary, you see what he said about Munson, and he apologized for it. You see what he did at certain parts of his life. He is a flawed human being, but I'm just happy to know him. I thought the documentary was well done. And well, a friend of mine was sister. asking me about, because I know he talked about how, how he was flawed, where he's a loyal person, but not a monogamous person. And that was, you know, and he has regrets because he probably could have married the most wonderful woman he ever knew and uh, and didn't because his, he, he was not a monogamous person. And a friend of mine was asking me about the women in the film. And uh, I said, no, it's it's all about Reggie. There's Ju You might see Julia serving. <laughs> but you're not. Isn't that funny? You're going to see Rolls Royces. But uh, all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, no, that was it was pretty much about Reggie and not about any of the women in his life. Well, for a documentary, for we always hope that there are young broadcasters who know us or heard us as kids, and maybe they're still listening now, that I remind everybody, if you're going to get into this business now, it's hard with podcasting. Again, click and subscribe. It's all right. about numbers. If you look at it, you don't listen to it. It means nothing. Uh, we do this because we love to talk to each other. But if I was a young kid, I would go exclusively into the documentary sports business. I'd go right into it. I'd go to Amazon. Wow. I'd go to Apple, I would go to Showtime, HBO Max, and I would find my way into a decision maker's office and say, I want to do this for a living. I want to help. I want to be the travel team that goes on the road. I'll hold the microphone. I'll do research. This is the future, man. I'm telling you, everybody, no matter what generation you're from, is connected to their past. And these documentaries, we are in the golden age of sports documentaries, and Reggie's was really good. I love it. And, you know, growing up, I never read a lot of fiction. And, and, and as an adult, never read a lot of fiction. But if you look up at my bookcase, it's biographies, biographies, biographies. I always and as a, as a person who loves politics, it was always, it's the people I love. Ah, policy bores me. But uh, we can talk about policy. But I'm like Andy Warhol, you know, give me the color. But I'm, not, I'm only going to the pool up to my knees. Because, and I love whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, William Howard Taft, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, Obama, uh, Richard Nixon. They all have amazing stories, especially the presidents of our lifetime, mostly except for the Trumps and the Bushes. We have, have great chicken soup for the soul, humble stories. And same things with, with, with uh, people who succeed in sports. So documentaries are made well, yeah, are the best thing to watch because it's about people, and people are fascinating. And you don't always know everyone's story, do you? Even whether it's somebody being an asshole at 7-Eleven, well, don't jump down the guy's throat. He might be having a bad day. You never know what he's been through. Same thing for athletes or politicians. We think we know them, and then we find out through a documentary their story and you take a deep breath and say, huh, good guy. Well, you made it. Thank you for listening to all 38 minutes and 38 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. You win the Mike Ryan Award. And remember, the JT and Looney podcast is powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.